This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. The challenge for God's people is to trust and obey. Though our flesh will want to question and ask why. Isn't it amazing, day after day after day, God keeps the heart beating in your chest. He supplies your needs. He protects in ways that you'll never even know of unless he chooses to reveal it in heaven. And walk out of your place of business to your car and there's a flat tire and something inside you wants to rise up and look to heaven and say, why? That's just the flesh. That's the way it is. Let it get beyond a flat tire. Oh, wow. And so it's important that we look at this matter of God's mind on suffering from this book. Today we're going to look at Job's final defense. There are three uh, things that he holds up as defenses. Uh, again, why I shouldn't be suffering uh, because of these things that are true of me. And we've let the scripture uh, speak for itself. And so our study in Job finds us at the final discourse that Job makes before God openly speaks to him. That's actually chapters 29 to 30. And we know it is the end of what he is saying because as you look at the end of chapter 30, uh, it tells you these are the ends of, this is the end of Job's words. Now you'll remember that this righteous man lost everything but his life and his wife. He wanted his life to end. And Job's wife struggled. And she seems to have been little help to him. Now through the book, Job shares these defenses. And I think it would help us to review them quickly. First of all, Job's defense in chapter 7 was twofold, really. There's two parts of it. First, I am insignificant and should be left alone. And we identified that that was fault, faulty reasoning. His second defense from various texts throughout Job was, I am righteous and not suffering for my sin. Now, this was true reasoning. And by the way, it reminds us, man is born into trouble, Difficulty is going to come. If you are not walking with God and you're tolerating sin in your life, you just made your suffering harder. Because now you have to try to discern, is this a result of God simply working in my life or is God working in my life to get me back in fellowship with him? All kinds of problems come when we're tolerating sin and God has to chasten us. Now it's a blessing because it also reminds us that we're one of his children. Uh, but when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word and we suffer, 
it's difficult then to keep going. But as a child of God, if I'm not living for God, it makes it worse. So today we're going to look at this third defense in chapter 29. And it's this. I was blessed for righteous living in the past and should have similar blessing now. That's faulty reasoning also. When we read the scriptures, things are black and white, not just because of how the pages are printed. But God does say, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, And whatsoever he or she does prospers. But again, you have to look at what those terms mean in light of how God views blessing and how God views prosperity. By the way, and it was already alluded to in the service, this is why this whole wealth and prosperity gospel is wrong. It's false. Well, if I, if I just live for God, uh, then God, God does what I want him to. That's not in the Bible. In fact, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That doesn't fit in with the televangelist narrative. And so, I was blessed for righteous living in the past, and I should have similar blessing now. And these three chapters that we're going to look at talk about that very thing. So in this last one, what Job is saying is this, righteous living brings blessing and keeps a person from suffering. That was his mindset. He went years as he lived for God of seeing God bless him with honor and obviously physical blessing. And it was easy for Job's flesh, just like your flesh, my flesh, to think, all right, if I'll just live for God, it means a problem-free life. And stuff. That's not what the scripture teaches. Now the first part of this is true. If you define blessing correctly. All right. Living for God does bring blessing. But suffering still comes to those who are righteous. In fact, it is possible to have blessing and suffering at the same time. Have you ever thought about that? Just going to let that sink in. You can have blessing and suffering at the same time. Did you know that God even defines suffering as a blessing? I don't like that part in my Bible. That's what he says. Consider 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, various trials. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes. Let me ask you a question. How many of you like gold? How many of you like what's more precious than gold? All right, good. I saw more hands than I thought I was going to see. The trying of your faith is more precious than your goal. That's what the Holy Spirit says. Read on. Though it be tried with fire, your faith, 
that it might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want you to turn in your Bibles, please. Let's go to Job 29. We want to look specifically at what Job says here. We can see his reasoning, and I believe it will be a help to us as we understand what he says. Now, as you're turning, let me share an important truth that those in the grief share ministry learned over the past few weeks. In fact, we had our staff retreat the end of this past week and took time in one of, the, one of our times together just to talk about, uh, Pastor Radice shared with us one of the videos and, and kind of gave us an overview of what uh, that material was about. And, and I could tell, not only was it a help to others, but I'll share with you, it was a help to me to see that. But one of the statements that was made in that material is this. Wrong assumptions intensify our suffering. Now, wrong assumptions, especially about God, intensify our suffering. Job really struggled with the bad advice he was getting from his friends, but his monologues reveal his thinking, and that made things harder on him than even what his friends said. That's strong, but I'll stand behind those statements. His wrong assumptions about God. Remember, when God does finally speak to Job, he addresses two things. He addresses Job's friends that they had said things that were not true of God. But he also confronts Job. So listen to chapter 29, and we just want to get a, a sampling of what Job is thinking. Chapter 29, verse 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and said, Oh, that I were as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me. Now let's stop for a moment. What is he assuming? Right now, God hasn't preserved me. When the candle shined upon my head and when by his light I walked through darkness, as I was in the days of my youth, when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle. That's talking about the secret counsel of God. Even as a young man, he followed the counsel of God. That was upon his dwelling. And Job wants to go back to those days. All right. When God was blessing me, and again, he was preserving me, and proof was I didn't have any problems. Do you know the greatest proof of God's preservation is when you are having problems? Job's not seeing it that way at this point. Verse 5, when the Almighty was yet with me. Oh, he's not with you now, Job? When my children were about me. See, when my kids were alive, that was proof that God was still with me. Okay. When I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured out rivers of oil. This goes back now to the figurative language, this parable. That's, that's what it's referencing at the beginning of the chapter. When I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, I had authority. I had honor. Verse 8, the young men saw me, hid themselves, the aged arose, they stood up. 
The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on my mouth. Even royalty honored me. And nobles, verse 10, held their peace, and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard me, when it, then it blessed me, and when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. Because, you almost want to underline that because there in verse 12. Again, Job is going to go on now to say, my righteous life brought blessing. It should still be continuing. God, what is going on? Because I deliver the poor that cry, the fatherless, and him that had none to help him. The blessing of him that was ready to pierce came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on what? Righteousness. And it clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. A week could go on in the text. But do you understand this defense that Job is giving. Religious living brings blessing and keeps a person from suffering, right? No. If you look over at Job uh, 31 and verse 6, again, Job says, Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. This, this isn't balance. This isn't fair. I have righteousness. I have integrity. God, what is going on? The rest of my life I understood. This doesn't seem right. Somehow God has lost track of my righteous living. If he would again take this into account, he would stop my suffering, right? So can you see Job was thinking righteousness brings the blessing of a problem-free life? This is a wrong assumption, but it is an assumption that has caused many Christians to quit on God. I was doing it your way, and this happened. I quit. There may be some here or even watching on the live stream today. There was a time you were on fire for God. You were serving the Lord with all of your heart and something happened. Maybe even somebody criticized you. Maybe somebody wasn't thankful for you. Or you faced some other kind of adversity and, and look, God, I was doing this and this and this and then this happened. I'm done. No wonder God says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Just stay faithful. And oh, by the way, you will reap if you faint not. So we keep our eyes on the Lord. We can also fall into the trap of thinking, if I do what God wants, he gives me what I want. Careful, subtly, that's the way the flesh thinks. All right, God, I gave you what you want, now you give me what I want. Did God ever say that he would give you what you want? No. Did he promise to give you what you need? He sure did. 
And by the way, he gives us so much more than we need. He satisfies a lot of wants, but don't think that he has to. So this wrong thinking makes trials and grief even harder, Christian. Now we don't have time today to read all the way through chapter 30, but Job is mourning that he did what was right and in his mind was repaid with evil. Sixteen times in chapter 31, Job uses the word if. Again, 16 times. Uses the word if as to say, if I had done, then he names the sin, then let this consequence come upon me. Each time Job is stating his innocence that if he had done those things, but he hadn't done those things. Therefore, the suffering shouldn't be happening to Job. I was blessed for my righteous living in the past and I should have similar blessing now. And what's Job's conclusion? Righteous living brings blessing and keeps a person from suffering. And I know I'm repeating myself, but this is a trap that we can all get into mentally. And with that, Job 31 verse 40, the words of Job are ended. He's, he has pled his case. These are strong arguments in his mind. He's put to silence the other friends. They're quiet now too. This was the evaluation of the injustice of his suffering. Now there was something far better and far greater happening in Job's life that he could, uh, or that he could ever see. God was doing something far greater than Job having an easy prosperous life. Do you remember the words of Peter? Fiery trials cause us to experience praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's what the Lord is trying to do in us because he sees the big picture. He sees eternity. Charles Spurgeon made the comment, it's true, there are no crown wearers there who weren't cross bearers here. I don't like that part about life. But in light of eternity, your life, my life here is a vapor. And really, the ease of that life, it doesn't matter so much. What matters is, am I ready to meet Jesus? 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And we need to add our glory to the end of that verse. In just a month, a few weeks here, a group will be going to Greece and Turkey from our church and some friends. i never forget the first time visiting the city of Ephesus and we went into this place where they were weaving rugs. The big loom, weaving rugs. And children were working these looms because you have to have small hands to be able to do that work. And, and what these kids were doing on those looms was incredible. But they're working the looms, and as we stood back and watched them work these looms, this side of what we were seeing 
It really looked like children's work. I mean, stuff was gnarled, and, and you could kind of make out pictures and so on, but it, it didn't seem to fit. And then the owner of this business went over to one of these looms, and he spun it around. And you could hear in that place, What those kids were doing, what they were working on, it looked messy. It didn't look good. But the other side was beautiful. What an illustration. When you and I look at our lives, doesn't it seem disjointed and sometimes even out of control? And, but what is God seeing? Listen, he's seeing what he's doing. He that hath begun the good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, the day you meet Jesus. He sees the picture. He knows what he is doing as the potter. The key is we just need to submit to the potter, to the weaver. Let him have his way. He sees the final product. And so... You are not significant. Let's think, or insignificant. Let's think back over Job's argument. You're not insignificant. And he won't leave you alone. You need to be righteous so that you are not chastened for sin. That will only make things harder. Yet God uses chastening to make us something that brings him glory. Job wasn't suffering for his sin. Maybe you are. But even there, God has a purpose in what you are experiencing. He's up to something good. Remember, your righteous living will bring blessing, but God never said pleasing him will keep you from suffering. That is a wrong assumption that will only make suffering worse. So let's conclude. Those who attended the grief share class were reminded of the words of Deuteronomy 29, 29. I want to share those today. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So what is the Lord saying? God has secrets. He has, he, his mind works in a way that your mind can't, my mind can't. He is doing things that we couldn't understand if he tried to explain it to us. But what we need, he has revealed to us, including the book of Job. What you need to know about suffering, it's right here. He's, he's given it to you. And we can trust him. Job did not need an explanation for what was happening in his life. And the book reveals he never did get one. At least this side of heaven. Not that we know from Revelation. So God is the master weaver who is creating something glorious in us for his glory and our good. Please remember this. You don't need explanations. You need expectant faith. Why? As long as God knows, and he always does, you will be just fine. You're going to be fine. 
And if you doubt that, go to the Word of God and look at example after example after example. People in lion's dens, fiery furnaces, uh, shipwrecked at sea, and we can go on and on and on, right? Were they fine? In the center of God's will, were they fine? Absolutely. You'll be fine too. But understand that God is doing His gracious, mighty work in your life. And when you stand before Him someday, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Job's life. Thank You for these reminders. And Lord, our flesh is going to want to question You, but we don't have reason to. As was played earlier, we simply need to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened. And we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.